Welcome back to another episode of the Writer's Advice Podcast. I am so excited that you are here listening in to another episode. I have an incredible author that I cannot wait to share with you today. But firstly, I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. And the first is the Six Figure Author Coach. Now, this is a program. If you are a um, a writer and whether you are a self, um, an author, you've got a couple of books under your own belt, self-published, or you're currently a writer, you've got a couple of manuscripts, or you're thinking about getting started on a manuscript and you're like, where do I go next with this? If you have a bit of a business flair or you want to take things into your own hands and self-publish, then this is what I recommend. Rebecca Hamilton is an incredible author she has built the Six Figure Author Coach, which is a so many courses within. So she focuses on marketing, on publishing, on everything that you need to know to take your books to the next level when it comes to sales and treating it as a business, as a self-published author. They run the program 3XP, which is all about prime, profit, and publish and getting the most out of your creativity, essentially, and bringing it to the masses and sharing your stories with the people who are just waiting to read them. They have a full mentorship program, which is the one I recommend. So this is all of Rebecca's incredible courses, all in one, unbelievable support you are put with another successful author who is your coach to coach you through the whole program um, to take your books to the next level and literally it, their their program guarantees you to go from zero to six figures within the tw first 12 months of that program um, so thank you six figure author coach for sponsoring this podcast if you have any questions about the mentorship or about it um then all you can do is contact me ask me a couple of questions and I can put you directly in contact with Rebecca um so she can help find out if it's the right program for you um or if the mentorship's the right program or whether you need just one of the courses within it um yeah so contact me in all the details of the show notes here it is a um Olivia Hillier author on all socials, or you can just go to oliviahillier.com and fill out a contact sheet. Um, and let's get in contact and see if it is the right fit for you. They have literally helped me um, take my first series to the next level, which is the Shadow and Shifter series, the Young Adult Paranormal series, which is about Maya, who can see all the dark lingering shadows that inhabit the earth and its people. She's hid away and numbed herself. She's become the outcast. Humans have made her the outcast and the shifters want her dead. That is until she meets Kay, who is the only other boy who shares the same abilities as she does. Now that she's awakened to her magic, Maya needs to harness the power to overcome the shadows and the other unearthly beings to save humanity from the overtaking evil of the world. It is a six-part series and there is currently four books out in it, Starseed, Quintessence, um, Firelight and Terraform. Soon enough, you will also get access to Awakening and Soul's Fate. And I'm so excited to share the whole series with you. You can now get it on Kindle Unlimited for free. If you want to read it for free on Kindle Unlimited, the paperbacks, the um, hardbacks are out now and they're gorgeous, guys. The covers are gorgeous. Chat to me about it. Um, and yeah, Paranormal is your thing. Head, Yeah, give it a read and, and let me know what you think. 
The other podcast sponsor that I want to give a huge shout out that I cannot recommend enough is Booksprout. Now, Booksprout is incredible once again for any self-published author. If you have, or if you are currently sitting on a manuscript and you're like, what do I do with it next? You have a bit of a business flair once again, and you want to go down the self-publishing route. Booksprout is here for you. So Booksprout is a review service, essentially. So as an author, you upload your pre-released books from Amazon, you upload them onto Booksprout and then Booksprout help spread it to readers who want to read it before it's out so that they can review it and that you have more reviews on Amazon so that people can also get feedback. Like, you know, you know, when you, you know, we all know what it's like when we're searching for a book, we want to have reviews. Every author wants to have reviews. It is what helps sells our books and Booksprout does it all for you and gives it to the readers. If you are a reader, I highly recommend joining Booksprout because there is all these incredible free books to to dive into. Um, they have so many different options, whether you have a couple of pen names, whether you have one, whether you're just try, uh, playing around with one book. And like, honestly, guys, if you want to get a hundred reviews, this is the way to go. Go to Booksprout. It is so easy. They have made my life incredible. Um, I highly recommend them. I actually have my next series up on Booksprout now. So if you love, now this is staying in the YA series, it is a little bit of romance, but it's more dystopian. So this is like Matrix meets the metaverse with an absolute badass feminine, uh, sorry, female heroine, Alexa, who finds herself in a very futuristic world and needs to fight her way out of it as her following determines her future. Um, her likes determine what she is allowed to do in the world and she's here to take the network down. There are three. This is book one. So Block Delete is book one of the, the Social Games trilogy, which if you love a little bit of sci-fi, more dystopian, then all my books are up there on Booksprout for you to read and review now. If you want it before it even comes out, which is in July. So you want to jump on it now as they are ARC reviews. So once they are out in the world, they are no longer on there. So if you want to read it for free, I would highly recommend reading it through there. But also you can check it out um, how Booksprout works. So Booksprout is amazing for managing your review team, finding new reviewers, tracking who has and hasn't reviewed it, where they've reviewed it. If you're on Goodreads, if you're on Amazon, honestly, guys, if you're a self-published author, check out Booksprout now. I absolutely love them. Yeah. Um, and I have put the link in the show notes. If you, if you want to chat to me about Booksprout or the Six Figure Author Coach, please reach out to me on any socials at all. Send me an email, um, contact me through the website, all the details are in the show notes now. But before I get into anything else, you know what? Let's just get into this episode. Let's get into the most incredible author that I have on today. Let's welcome them on. Writer's Advice is a point of connection, a dose of inspiration, and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. Welcome back to the Writer's Advice Podcast, everyone. I am really, really excited because on today's episode, we have Ashley Collegian Blunt, who is hot on 
you're like hot on a full press tour of the new release of your <laughs> um, new book, Dark Mode, which honestly I can't, I can't recommend enough. And I'm honestly so excited to chat to you about it. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me here, Olivia. Now, this book, I have to be honest, like I don't usually read thrillers. Most, and the only reason I haven't chosen them is maybe because I'm just like, scared I love like watching thriller movies but I feel like when you're in a book it's so much more intimate but when I got sent the um blurb of your book I was like oh my gosh I have to read that and I devoured it in like just so quickly and I got so lost in the story and I was like you know when you're going through it and you're just like trying to guess like what's going on and I don't want to give too much away but like literally when I got to the end I was like Oh, like I was on the beach reading the end of it and I screamed out loud because I was like, just not expecting <laughs> what happened. I was like, oh, this is, this is amazing. So, um, yeah, I want to, anyway, I want to dive so much into the book, but firstly, I want to know how, firstly, how did the whole writing journey start for for you? And then how has it ended up into this incredible book that you have created? It's a broad question. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited <laughs> that you like the book that much. That's so wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, the, like, the writing journey question is a huge question and I could probably talk about it for an hour. So I'll try to give you the condensed version. Yes. But like, basically, like I loved books when I was a little kid. You know, my parents made sure to have books in the house and read to us at night and, and loved that. And uh, I wrote my first little story that ended up getting published when I was seven years old. So I was in grade one in Saskatchewan. And um, the school district did an anthology and this stupid little story I wrote called The Wizard Who Has a Cat um, got published in, in this anthology. So in my head at seven years old, I'm like, oh, I'm an author, like done. <laughs> I love that. Um, so then, <laughs> you know, yeah, it was, well, actually, I don't know if the, the thing was, I think I developed a bit of an ego around it though. Cause then like in high school and university, like I did creative writing courses. I would study journalism because my parents wanted me to study like a career. Yeah which they didn't think writing was. That's fine. Like It was good to do journalism. Uh, it was not for me. But I did, within that, I did creative writing courses and I like, you know, submitted short stories uh, to prizes and things. And I, you know, won various things. And so in my head, I was like, okay, like all I have to do is sit down and write a book, like a serious book, and then I'll have a career. Like that will be my career. And I got some really good advice from some friends, you know, when I graduated uni, they're like, you don't need to worry about writing for a few years. Like go off and like, get some life experience, like go do some things. And I was like, okay, great. Like, that's fine. Cause I really wanted to travel. I really wanted to live abroad. I was learning Spanish. So I was like, okay, like in the future, I will start the writing. Uh, so when I was in my late twenties, that's when I was like, okay, now I'm going to write the book that's going to launch my career. And that's when things started to go not so well, because I spent a number of years writing this book and I, I didn't know anything about the writing industry. Like I, I was an avid reader, but I had never had anyone in my life who actually worked in the industry or was a published author. Mm. And this was still, you know, before social media or like, you know, or like 2011, I'm sure there were great podcasts out there, but I didn't know to go and listen to them at that time. Like I think you would now, because I have a friend now who like entirely taught himself writing mainly from YouTube videos, but like in, in 2011, <laughs> I was not thinking of that. So anyways. And also I thought I knew what I was doing, right? Because I, yeah. I knew what I was doing. I was already an author. <laughs> um, so I, I, did this, I did this huge book where I, um, I was researching the Armenian genocide and my great-grandparents' survival of it. And so I started, like, I interviewed all my family in Canada. And then I was, like, 
moving to Australia so I did a master's degree here in Armenian cultural identity and interviewed a whole bunch of people in the Sydney community and then I was like okay now I'm going to go to Armenia and I interviewed like a bunch of people there so I interviewed like 140 people on three continents and then I sat down and wrote this giant 200,000 word book wow. it was just like okay like I've done it I've written the book <laughs> and like I knew it would need editing and stuff but anyways I guess that it did not go very well and it got the only rejection I've ever got that was worded unkindly about that book which was upsetting and that's when I sort of realized like maybe I don't know what I'm doing and maybe I actually need to learn and by then I've been introduced to writing New South Wales uh, our state writer center I had been I started meeting other writers and get a chance to go to events and ask questions I realized like you could just go to a book launch like you can just find out when they're happening and just go like I didn't know that before um so yeah so that's when I started learning and so I went through this intensive learning period I wrote published so in addition to two novels I'd written when I was younger that were four unpublished manuscripts at that point and then I got into this fantastic writers group where we give real feedback you know like um like constructive really constructive feedback and that, what I learned from them and the courses I was taking became a real turning point. And so then the next book that I wrote got published. And then the one I wrote after that got published. And then I wrote Dark Mode. And now it is out in the world. And it is amazing to have that experience, like to have, you know, gone through that arc. I feel like I've lived a whole narrative arc. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And I also, I kind of love the process of just like, there's something, even though it's something beautiful about the unknown and the not having confidence that I mean you do having confidence and just going for it because it's like then you're not it's almost like better to do it that way sometimes I think if you're someone that learns that way where it's like go and fail first and then jump into it so then you're not like stopped by anything and then it's like you know it keeps that momentum going and obviously you you didn't quit and you know look at how things have turned out now so I absolutely love that (laughs) did you always there were some times that I wanted to quit yeah oh yeah I can imagine (laughs) it's a long it's a long journey (laughs) but did you always know that you wanted to do um like psychological thrillers did that was that in your like vicinity of things that what you were into is that what you were reading was that kind of always up your alley I think I always thought about I always considered it but I didn't think I could pull it off because I felt like to write a crime book, you have to know so much about like how crime happens and how it's investigated and how the legal system works. And I was just like, I, and, you know, I love crime books. I've always loved crime, like crime thrillers, going back to like Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. So I felt like I never attempted it because I was like, oh, like, I think, I think in the back of my head, I didn't want to mess it up because I think it would have been really upsetting to, you know, whereas I could, I could mess up a nonfiction book and like then rewrite it and rework it and then write another one. It it wasn't the same as like going into this genre that I revered and and screwing it up. But um, I did. So when I, the first book I had published, My Name is Revenge, is actually a fiction. uh, It's a novella and then collected essays. And the novella is actually a crime story. So I actually like, because I'd study, I spent 10 years studying genocide, right? And genocide mm-hmm. is referred to as the crime of crimes. So really, I think I was in the background, always sort of leaning towards it. And then finally, you know, uh, I'd gotten sick in 2017. I was diagnosed with chronic illness. 
and I spent a couple of years bed bound and listened to hundreds of hours of true crime podcasts. And that was when I thought like, oh, maybe I should try this now. <laughs> that was the start of your research of going right into that. And I really, there's so many questions I want to ask you on the research. But before I go into that, before listeners are like, what, what is she talking about? Do you want to give us a little bit of a synopsis of Dark Mode um, before we go into that? <laughs> yes. Okay. So Dark Mode is a psychological thriller with a dark web plot. It's set over a sweltering Sydney summer. It's made character is Reagan Carson who runs a uh, boutique plant company like a, a garden center where she grows these really uh, unusual and strange plants. She relates more to plants than she does to people because she's uh, she has some good reasons for the trust issues that she has and in the first chapter she goes out for her morning run and very close to her home she discovers the body of a woman who has clearly been murdered and she begins to fear that her past is now catching up with her. It is. Well, that's it. I just got goose, but like you explained that so well. <laughs> that is oh, very well thought out. Um, with this, Thank though, you. like, yeah, we're, how did the, 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 like, there's been so much research you've put into this because it's not only just like, for instance, like murder, how you said, and all the dark web, there's also the whole plant side of things. Like I was reading through this, literally thinking about you going, wow, this is so well done because it's like absolutely page turning in there. And how you said you were worried about certain things before of like not putting enough research in. There is absolutely none of this in that book whatsoever. Like it is so well thought out and uh, well done. But how did the idea of the dark web and going into that side of things because it's so relevant right now. And one thing that is so scary about this book is how realistic it is. It was that like, did that come from the true crime podcast? Like how did, how did that idea come to you? A couple of ways. And yeah, what's, what's one of the things that's been a bit upsetting, like since the book was accepted for publication and since it's come out is just some of the headlines that have been just, you know, too like, Things that I put in the book that I was like, oh, like, you know, that could happen, but like I'm extrapolating. And then then you see these things in the headlines, like the Optus hack and the Medibank hack and people's information ending up on the dark web, but also like headlines about about deep fakes, headlines about, you know, uh, men who are um, doing certain things online with the specific goal of humiliating women. Like mm-hmm. it's it is it is really upsetting seeing those things in the headlines. But how the dark web ended up being part of the book was two things. One, the first thing was that I lost my driver's license a block from my home when I'd gone to the post office to pick a package that fell out of my pocket on the way back. And I went and looked for it, couldn't find it. And I thought like, oh, this is going to be annoying because I've got to get it replaced. And then the next morning, I went to my, uh, on the back end of my author website, and it was flooded with visits from Russia, China, and Ukraine. And I was just like, what is going on here? And I immediately thought about my driver's license and I was like, like, is, what is, what is happening? Is this like, are these things connected? And so I did, I started doing some research and discovered that yes, the most likely scenario is that someone found my driver's license and either that person or someone they knew put my information on the dark web and it'll be sitting in a spreadsheet with, you know, all kinds of other people's details that are for sale and the people selling it, uh, the more complete that set of what's called personal identity details, the more 
complete that set of information is, the more they can charge for it. So those people would have been then coming to my website and looking for the information that wasn't on my driver's license, like my phone number, my email, that, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so that's one of the things, you know, that's one of the ways your information can get on the dark web, but obviously also it can just get on the dark web if a company that stores it like Optus is hacked. So there's lots of ways your information can end up for sale on the dark web. And then the other thing is I listened to this really fascinating podcast miniseries called Hunting Warhead, which is about, um, it, specifically about uh, a, a dark web site that was um, created for, like it was child abuse materials mm -hmm. that were being shared on the dark web, but how the police investigated that because those kind of crimes, like creating that website, there's no jurisdiction for that. Like that that crosses international borders, right? So how do how does the police investigate it? So that podcast really went into depth in how the police are having to find ways to team up internationally to address these kinds of online crimes. Oh my gosh. You just worked out a whole I was already freaking out about this after I read your book. And then <laughs> wow. Like we really do share our information way too easily with with people. It's oh um, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It this book will definitely have you questioning so many things. Like just I yeah, everyone just needs to get their hands on it. Absolutely. But with part of that, um, I read that you actually had to play around in the dark web because there's a lot of different things that you've had to put in there. How did you how did you go about that? Well, the first thing that I did was I found this, um, there's a dark web journalist in Melbourne named Eileen Ormsby, who's phenomenal. And she, during COVID, she, uh, there was this workshop that she ran where she gave a tour of the dark web on Zoom, which was absolutely the best use of Zoom that I've just like ever, like, you, like, if you're like, why would I want to sit on Zoom? Oh, to, to be toured around the dark web. Like that was like the most interesting wow. thing, especially by someone who knows it because the dark web isn't, it's not like the clear web. Like it's, there's no dark Google, so it's not that easy to navigate. So there are some sort of like aggregator sites that are sort of like search engines, but they there's not that many sites that are indexed on the dark web. So with the dark web, you need to know the exact URL of where you're going. So I did end up then figuring out sort of how do you get on the dark web in terms of the tech, because I think that's the main barrier. Like I think a lot more people would go and sort of explore a bit but you need a special browser. So you can't just, you know, go to it from your normal browser. And you want to know a bit of what you're doing because while the dark web is encrypted, which in theory makes you anonymous, like if you click on the wrong thing on the dark web, you're potentially exposing yourself to, you know, all kinds of nastiness that you don't want to be exposed to. Yeah. So I, I made, I, you know, I did some research on how to do that. I then downloaded the Tor browser. I then explored the dark web a bit. And you know, what's funny about the dark web is like, we think of it as this really scary place. And it's true, there's all kinds of crime happening on the dark web. But in terms of the actual interface itself, because it's so encrypted, it's kind of like going back to like 90s internet. Cause it's like, you know, there's no graphics cause it's so slow because of all the encryption. So it's like a black screen with like white font and there's like no formatting. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Loading one line at a time. But, you know, so some of the websites I saw were, for example, there was this one website that was, you know, selling, selling various things. And one of the things you could, you could click add to cart was um, destroy someone's life for $1,700. <laughs> but clicking around that website, like the more I looked at that website, the more I was like, I could pay $1,700 in Bitcoin and then I just get absolutely nothing. Like, I'm sure that like, I think that website was 
very easily discoverable because it was a scam. Yeah, yeah. Wow. This and it's really interesting how you explain it because how you were explaining it, that is the exact vibe I got from the book when I was like <laughs> reading through it. So you've done that, you've done that so well. But there is also some this is one thing that I've been dying to ask you. And I, like firstly, you've made research sound so much fun because of all the things that you've actually got to dive into and now that you know about like it's <laughs> it's great. But there's some parts in there that um, you have to look at. It's specifically for a woman. You, ha- It's a very, there's some tough parts to like read, but at the same time, you know, it's scarily realistic and you portrayed it so perfectly. And the whole time I was reading it, and I think maybe I was reading it like this because I knew I was talking to you after I was like thinking of you and I was like, wow, how did she, how did she do that? You know what I like, how, I, as a writer, and when you're when you're writing it, like, do you take much of it off? Like, how does that work for you when you're having to portray something so, you know, intense or, or horrible in a way? You know what I mean? But, like, you do it so well. It's just, like, separating yourself from that while you're creating something like that at the same time, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I think, I mean, I think I'm, I spent, like I said, I spent 10 years studying genocide and my great-grandparents were survivors and I, and I know their stories and then you know I'd be going through photos of these genocide survivors like these orphans who were in you know Syria or wherever and there'd be pictures and you know like a photo of a little boy would look exactly like my dad when he was that age and so I, I think you I think if you're willing to go that route and if you're genuinely interested in that kind of dark mm-hmm. material um, I think you do build up kind of a resistance to it. Like, you yeah. know, and I talked to like genocide scholars about this, like people who like work with like with genocide, like literally all day, every day as their career. And they're like, you, they're like, you separate it from your personal life. Like you, you, you know about it, but you also like then step out of it and step into your life. Yeah. But with the research for the book in terms of like, cause at the core of the book is, is misogyny. Um, some of the research I did for that, like I was doing secondary research. So I was reading other people you know, some of these women, they have spent months of their lives in the kind of forums where men are, you know, talking horrendously about women. And often the reason that they've done that is because they've been on the receiving end of targeted abuse online. And that, like, I haven't had that happen to me. And I feel extremely lucky. Because when I read about that, you know, Mm. I found that just as hard to read as as any material on genocide it was really challenging yeah yeah because it I guess it's it's so I mean even genocide is absolutely horror I guess this is the situation that we're dealing with in our lives now you know it seems very realistic and that yeah it's um it's intense but you explain that really well it's just like you're getting in that brain of that's the idea that I'm trying to get across and and you just have to um completely separate yourself from it but you have done a magnificent job of it <laughs> what does your daily writing routine look like like because you've had to do so much research for this did you are you someone that will research have all your research done before you start writing or you kind of move through it are you a bit of a planner what's kind of like your writing process look like well I uh my writing routine is I write in the mornings because that's when I'm most effective now the illness kind of with chronic fatigue syndrome my energy levels are really unpredictable so that's kind of challenged that a bit so 
I like to describe my life as being in a bit of a tumble dryer. Like I'll just start to get a routine going and then everything will get flipped upside down. And sometimes I have no energy through the day, but I can manage a few hours in the evening. And I like, I never used to write in the evening, but now I've sort of adapted to if I feel well enough, get it done. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, in terms of the research and in terms of the process for this book, um, I definitely research as I go because I end up changing so much as I go. Um, so I, if I if I tried to do all the research up front, I would find that I had done a bunch of research that wouldn't end up in the book, which I mean happens anyways. But and then also I'd be into the story and then I'd be like, oh no, wait, you still need to research all this stuff because like with the plant thing, like when I first started the story, I didn't know that the plant theme was going to come in so heavily to the book. And then I had Reagan working in a garden center. And even then, at first, it was just like a sort of an ordinary garden center. And then I came across this fact about how plants, when they're dehydrated, they scream, they release this, this sound at a hertz level that's really like high outside the range of human hearing, but can be detected by scientific instruments. And I was just like, that is incredibly unsettling. The idea that like, you know, if I forget to water, like, you know, the plant that's sitting on my desk here, that it's, that it's screaming at me. And, I, and then I was like, oh, I wonder like what other sort of unsettling, creepy facts I could find about plants. Yeah. And it turns out there are a lot of them. So that was a very fun path to go down. And I did that as I was working. But with this book, I started, there was a particular twist. There's a particular moment. Um, and I won't give anything away, but there's a, there's a moment where Reagan knocks on a door and she's expecting someone to answer and a completely different person answers. And um, the, the way that that unfolds in the book, I was like, oh, I don't think I've ever seen that before in crime fiction, you know, in books or in TV and film. And I was like, I wonder what I would need to put in place to sort of like make that twist work. And so I started building up the plot from there. And then I sat down and I, you know, I kind of wrote 40,000 words into the story, sort of exploring it with this idea in mind. And then by that time, I realized, okay, like I can see all the things here that aren't working. And I chucked out most of that 40,000 words. I kept about 10 and I started again from chapter one. And then I wrote all the way through to a um, finished first draft. And then I took that first draft and then I broke it into scenes. And I did a scene by scene outline in terms of thinking about the actual mechanics of the narrative. Mm. And that outline was like my second draft, which was about 15,000 words. And from that, I reworked the material into like a really comprehensive third draft. And then I did a couple more, you know, just polishing drafts. And that was what ended up going to the agent because this is the book that got me an agent. And I'm now writing my second psychological thriller. And like, apparently this is my process now is I write 40,000 words into the story and then I chuck most of them out because I've done that again. <laughs> I, there's so many things I wanted to say when you said that because firstly, it's like, heartbreaking <laughs> because you're like oh you <laughs> but at the same time I love that because it's also a really beautiful process of seeing if I don't know are you kind of someone that needs to like write a little bit and then to see where it's going and then pull the the structure of the story together like it's really it you can see the start even when you've got to cut it it's just like you're playing with it you're seeing where it's going and the shot like the story's showing you that way so I, I also think that's really um great advice which is a question I'm about to ask you in a second is like being okay to cut it like being okay to let that go and then and see the story structure come from there I really want to die I'm gonna dive in and ask 
you what's um, next because I was hoping that you're going to be writing another psychological thriller. But um, what is that? This a lot of people listening to this podcast are up and coming writers, or they've got a couple of books out. What is kind of your um, what is some good advice that you would pass on to someone currently working on a manuscript or, or looking at building their writing career? I think one thing for sure is to join your state writer center. So, you know, your state writer center, they're not for profit organizations. They are there to help you. Like everything they're doing is there to help you. And I can say that um, both as someone who, you know, like I said, when I was starting out, um, that was really the thing that sort of really saved me was finding the state writer center and, and meeting other writers through it. But then I ended up getting a job. I worked for writing in South Wales for six years. So I got to work nice. inside the industry. And just the people who, you know, the people who take those jobs, like it's not for profit. So they're not nearly as well paid as other jobs are. So those people are really, really passionate about writing and literary culture and they want to help you. And they're put on this whole range of programs, you know, that are designed to meet your needs no matter what stage you're at in your writing career. Mm -hmm. So you can call them up and just be like, this is where I'm at. Like, what do you recommend for me? Like, what, what would help me the most? Because, for example, you can you can get a manuscript assessment on a full manuscript and that's going to cost you a lot of money because obviously a lot of time is put into that but there's also programs where you can get a manuscript assessment on your synopsis and your first 10 pages and i think as a, a as an aspiring writer you're like well what can someone tell me from just reading 10 pages from being inside the industry they can tell you a lot they can give you a lot of good advice particularly like that synopsis is going to tell them so much and then, I mean, honestly, they could look at two pages of your writing and tell you a lot about what you need to continue working on. So then you can get that kind of help, save a lot of money and apply that feedback to the rest of your manuscript. And um, another thing with the State Writer Centers is most of them run writing groups. And I highly recommend a good writing group where you get, where you get rigorous feedback, um, supportive feedback. And you probably need to try a few different groups to get a sense of what works for you. You might need to try starting your own. It doesn't need to be through the State Writer Center, but that's just a supportive place to, you know, meet other people, which would be my other primary tip would be like, if, go out and meet as many other writers as you can, because they're going to support you. They're going to help you. Um, if you can find some who are a little further along in their career, like you can learn from them, which is one of the most helpful things that I that I had and I was lucky enough to have. Um, so yeah, those, those would be my tips. That is um, that is so true, and I I haven't had um anyone speak about the state writing centers for a while. They are honestly you can literally call them up, and be like, so this is what's going on, and they have so many different courses on so many different things. And even if you're not in a major city, I, I swear there's a lot of little pop up ones in different libraries everywhere in in a lot of major cities, and a lot of them um like I know the Queensland Writers Centers here, a lot of their major courses are through Zoom now as well, so you can do them from anywhere. So um. Yeah, I love that. I love that you worked for it too. That would have been so much fun. <laughs> I feel like that would be very, it really was. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah, they're they're really really great environments. So, I want to know. I mean, I absolutely love dark mode, and and everyone needs to get their hands on this. But what's next for you? Is it? Can you give us a little bit of something that you're researching now of the of the next psychological thriller, or is that? <laughs> yeah, no, I can't. Well, the, the, so the next one, that next one's also going to have a dark web plot. Oh, nice. um, so looking at a different aspect of the dark web. So I'm excited about that. It's going to be, and I think looking at internet crime and how it intersects with, uh, you know, people's lives, like, you know, IRL crime is definitely going to be, I think, a niche that I'm, that I'm really excited to, to put myself in. And I do like going forward, I do want to write 
just solely psychological thrillers. Like if I'm lucky enough to do that for the rest of my career, I would be so happy and just, you know, have a big shelf of them in 20 years. But the next one, uh, what I can tell you is I am setting it in a minus 40 degree winter in Winnipeg, Canada, which is the city uh, that I'm originally from. And I've, so I've been researching Winnipeg and for anybody who's read my memoir, How to Be Australian, um, which is where I, I like basically I, I moved from so I moved from Canada to Australia thinking that Australia was was just hot Canada right and then I and then I got here and I'm like oh no it's it's quite different it's quite different like on the surface there's a lot of commonalities but then the longer you're here the more you're like oh no this is a very different place um so in how to be Australian it opens uh when uh in a minus 40 degree winter and basically with my decision to leave Winnipeg because I was like I would just like, I can't do this. I want no part of this. I wasn't made for this. I need to move somewhere warm. And so um, I, you know, swore that I would never move back to Winnipeg. And I've been in Australia 12 years and I am a citizen now and I am intending to stay. But I, Winnipeg's a really quirky, strange city and I have really been enjoying researching it. And I found out all sorts of like bizarre things about it, which I think the most bizarre is that in 1942, Winnipeg staged a full-scale Nazi invasion of itself. So <laughs> I will leave. I will leave it to the. You know, you'll have to read the book when it comes out to, uh, to know why. That's right, just like like little Lana to leave people with that stuff. <laughs> I am very intrigued now that you've definitely you've definitely got me excited for that as well. Oh, that is so great. Oh. Anyway, oh, I can't I can't speak highly of your book enough, and I'm sure you have so much more to, um, you know, spread the word on on all so many books tours and and all the fun stuff. And I'm so excited for everything that um comes with it. But for anyone who has listened to this episode today and wants to get in contact with you, tell us everywhere. I mean, dark mode is available everywhere now. I'm pretty sure. But um, yeah, where can they find you? Ah, well, Dark Mode is out in Australia and New Zealand, and it is coming out in the UK in April and Germany later this year. Awesome. And I am on the internet. I'm <laughs> everywhere on the internet. Uh, but you can find me through my website. If you'd like to contact me through my website, you can do that there. And I have lots of tips for writers um, on the website. I also post a podcast as well called James and Ashley Stay at Home, which is about writing, creativity, and health. And I'm on Instagram. Instagram is probably the best place to reach me. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook, but Instagram is kind of the, my current um, home on the internet. Excellent. I'll put all those details in as well as a podcast. Honestly, that's a really great podcast to listen into everyone. So I'll definitely make sure that I link that in the, in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for joining us today, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast, Olivia. It's delightful. <laughs> thank you.